Welcome back. We are in Esther chapter 2, verse 1. Let's go. Esther chapter 2, verse 1. So we've got King Xerxes, who is the head of the Persians. He's preparing for, actually he prepared for a big battle against the uh, Greece, the Grecians. He had a big empire, but he wanted to take over the entire world. This uncontrollable, unrestrained pride and greed is just, uh, you know, led to led to essentially his destruction and the empire stopped that we're not able to take over greece and verse 2 one, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 says after these things when the king anger of king ahasuerus had abated he remembered vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her so after these things this is actually a several year period later between chapter 1 the end of chapter 1 and now the beginning of chapter 2 so let's catch up the bible doesn't record these battles between the Persians and the Grecians, um, but it was monumental. You'll even probably remember one of them from history history classes in, in Hollywood. There was a movie called 300, and it was about the Battle of Thermopylae, and it was when the Persians tried to overtake the Grecians, and they were going just marching through Greece, and they had huge numbers, and they were just plundering. And a lot of the Grecians were just giving up and letting them go because their their numbers were massive and they couldn't under, overtake them. So they came to the Battle of Thermopylae and they had this little bottleneck opening in the mountains that they had to pass through. And the Grecians were said to have maybe only about 7,000 troops but only about 300 Spartans that were right there at that, that bottleneck. And that's where they started to kind of look at it. The, the Grecians apparently had more skilled people and so they were saying, you know, one of those could probably take on 10 or maybe 20 or more of the Persians and overcome them. But the Persians had the numbers. Uh, the, the numbers were huge. Some say a million or two million. Some say 300,000 or 700,000. You know, really big numbers versus 7,000 and 300. But at this bottleneck, the Spartans were just being massively successful against the Persians and uh, just just taking them down. The Persians couldn't get through this this little uh, gulch or whatever you want to call it. And so it was really interesting. And, and then they went around and they ended up flanking them and they ended up marching on through and going on. And I think about a year later is when they kind of finally lost their last battle to the Grecians at that point. And uh, he knew he was, the gig was up. He wasn't going to be able to overtake the Grecians, wasn't going to be able to overtake the world, but that's kind of a, a little catch-up on history. I'm not a, a historian on this matter. I was just uh, doing maybe a couple hours worth of research and enjoyed it, trying to figure out what was going on here, but that movie 300 is the movie that was made in Hollywood maybe 15 years ago or so uh, that, that that is about that bottle, bottle of Therm- <laughs> Battle of Thermopylae and King Xerxes. And, uh, you know, one of the notes I made here is no matter how big, how tough, rich, powerfully connected, or admirable you may be, at some point, there's going to be defeat, right? King Xerxes had the party of all parties. He had the numbers, way outnumbered the soldiers on the side of the Grecians, and yet ultimately failed to overtake the Grecians. And then the Grecians, they grew, and they ultimately failed and got overtaken by the uh, Romans, and so at some point, and, and then the Roman Empire is no longer around, right? So at some point, every empire is going to fall. At some point, 
everything is going to fail. People are like, I'm going to build it in America. It's like, I'm going to build up this massive fortune, have this giant bank account. Everybody's going to remember me forever because I'm going to put my name on this football field, on this library, on this hospital. Guess, guess what? At some point, someone's going to come along and they're going to have more money, if not for anything, just for the fact of inflation. And that institution needs a new, fresh infusion of a capital contribution, a charitable donation. And they're going to put someone else's name on your in place of yours on that hospital, football field, etc. And later down the road, people are going to be like, yeah, I heard of that guy. Know nothing about him. I don't know if he was a good father, a good husband, uh, a nice person, if he loved Jesus or not. They won't know anything. They'll just know a name, right? Think about it. I mean, you could think about... Uh, anybody you learned about in school, you couldn't probably say anything about their life, what they were like. Did they have a balanced life? Did they have a good home life? Were they happy? Were they joyful? All you know is, oh, they invented this or, oh, they did this, right? So it's not about us. We're not going to be remembered. We are going to be forgotten. We're going to be defeated, if, if anything, just in death, right? But those who are in Christ have died, right? We know from the Bible it says, for you died but your life is hidden with christ in god so you died on the cross with jesus if you have invited jesus into your life you'll never die again people will say you die at some point they'll say heart attack car wreck whatever but you just took your last breath on earth and then you immediately take your first breath in heaven it's eternal that eternal life is already in you but you still live in this temp temporal earthly body that is riddled with sin this flesh right for um, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We still have to go around in this flesh. But just think about that as you're going through just life and today. We don't need to overcome and try to conquer and have people worship us. They're going to forget. We want to point to the one who matters, the one who offers eternal life. And the question to you is, are you doing that? What did you do yesterday? Think about this. What did you do yesterday to point yourself, well, uh, to point anyone else to Jesus, and what did you do to grow closer to Jesus? Can you name anything? If you can name one thing, great. If you can name two things, great. What is it? And this is not to you know, point the finger and put you down because there's days when I don't. But we want to be able to look back every single day and say, what did I do to grow closer? Did I read the Bible? Did I pray? Um, and what did I do to point others to Jesus? Did I lead a group? Did I teach someone? Did I pray for someone? Did I pray with someone? Did I text someone to tell them I'm praying for them? Did I offer to pray for a client or a retail vendor or anybody? Right, these are the things we want to look back and say, okay, if I didn't, let's start that. Let's start today. Decide, then do. First decide to do it. Secondly, do it. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Chapter 2, verse 1, after these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. So he's thinking back in time, remember, because this is several years ago, his queen disobeyed him by saying she's not going to come and be paraded around as some sexual object when he's drunk out of his mind. And so that resulted in her not being queen anymore. Verse 2, then the king's young men who attended him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king. And let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem in Susa, the citadel, under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them, and let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. All right. So they come around, and they're like, hey, Mr. King, 
Um, let's get you a new wife. We'll hold a beauty contest, right? It was more likely that this was not elective, where people were like raising their hands or entering a lottery to become part. More likely, they were they were force, forcibly taken from their lives, from their homes, from their parents. Uh, oftentimes, young girls, right? It even says beautiful young virgins. Um, so unmarried, uh, at home, most likely, and just taking them. As essentially kidnapping, but I don't know if I'll use that powerful enough of a word, but... Uh, that's what most people think is they just took them and they're like, hey, you're you're going to be in the lottery for this beauty contest for the king. And they're devastated, right? Why is it most likely that they were forced, forced to do this rather than uh, you know, elected? Uh, they, they elect to do it because when you go before this beauty contest, he's going to probably sleep with one lady per night. And then he's just going to choose one. And all the others essentially are tainted. They can no longer be married. They're part of the king's harem. They won't be queen. They won't ever have a husband. They won't ever have a family. They won't have their own life. So this is like not a good existence for what one would wish for in their life. And so that's why it's almost certainly that they didn't elect to be here, that they were forced to be here. And uh, he's looking, you know, choosing people based on... Uh, sex, right? He's having relations with them each night, and he's like, ah, that's the one I want the the most. That's the one I'm going to have. Verse 5. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. All right. That's a lot of words in that those two verses right there. What happened? There were two kingdoms of Israel. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, right? Because Israel had split into two kingdoms. The Assyrians had conquered the northern kingdom, but not the southern kingdom. Then the Babylonians came along and conquered the southern kingdom. That's what's in reference in these two verses. They were taken back to Babylon, and then King Cyrus came in eventually, and the next year, he let, uh, I think it was about 50,000 of the Jewish people, go back to build, rebuild the temple in uh, the, the southern kingdom. But some people chose to stay in Babylon. Mordecai uh, and his ancestor was uh, one of the remnants who remained in Babylon. So he's a Jewish person living in this pagan society in Babylon. Verse 7, he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, so that was her uh, name, or two names in two different languages, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. So they're cousins, but um, she, he, he essentially adopted her. I, I don't know if it's a legal adoption or, you know, today in the U.S. we have legal adoptions. In other countries, they just take in people. I don't know if it's a lot of times not legal, uh, quote-unquote legal. They're just doing what they think is right. Anyways, he's raising this relative of his, though it's a, uh, she, he treats her like a daughter. And it says, the young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Verse 8. So when the king's order and his edict were pro proclaimed, when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. Notice it says Esther also was taken into the king's palace. Again, most likely forcibly taken there. 
So you have two Jewish people here now that have entered the story, Mordecai and Esther. Everybody else in the story is a non-Jewish person, a non-Jew, a Persian, Babylonian. Um, and uh, this is where God's working behind the scenes. We've got the free will of King Xerxes, the free will of decisions that Mordecai and Esther have been making behind the scenes, and then also the sovereignty of God. Tomorrow we'll pick up in verse 9. Take away what you need to take away. One of the big takeaways uh, for me is just the sanctity of marriage, right? This is violating uh, women and future wives and future mothers and just robbing them of that privilege and opportunity. And also the fact that uh, kind of open in the introduction, the defeat, right? At some point, everybody dies. At some point, everybody's empire will fall. Will fall. You can take the, the wealthiest people in the world and the wealthiest people in the United States, and people will, will soon, really soon forget about them. They'll know a name. They'll read about them in a history book, but there won't be any you know, thing there. And if there is, it's worship, and that's idolatry. That's treating that person like a god or something like that, and that's completely wrong. So be careful idolizing yourself. Be careful idolizing someone else. Be careful trying to become this thing um, status-wise in society that you're not supposed to be. That's God's place. Lord, help us to not think of ourselves. Help us to esteem ourselves not. Help us to to glorify you, Lord, to point people to you. That should be our goal every single day. Help us to look back at the day before, not to fixate on it, but to say, what could I have done differently so that I can do it different today? How can I live my life better, more glorifying of you, God? Help me to do that and help everybody listen today, Lord. Help today be a day that we just say, how can I glorify you more? Help us to point more people to you and help us to grow closer to you, Lord. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.